Another episode back with MJ's Progress Not Perfection. And this one is with Jackson. Jackson has a little bit of a different story, but the same behaviors. Um, he's not recovering from drugs or alcohol. He's actually recovering from sex addict. Um, and his drug of choice is porn. You're going to hear a lot about how the behaviors with sex addiction, you know, coincide with alcoholism and addiction. You know, he couldn't find a lot of the, you know, the SA meetings, sex anonymous, sexaholic anonymous meetings in Kansas. So instead they were, he was going to AA meetings or CA meetings where he could go every day and hear a message because just because the drug of choice was different, the behaviors were the same. The shame that came along with it, the guilt, the lying, the stealing, cheating, you know, you name it, they're the same. So that's something that I found very interesting in talking with him. Uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation, and don't forget we are sponsored by BetterHelp. And if you're looking for a therapist right now and you can't find one, you can't get an appointment, it's tough to get one, you can go to BetterHelp, you can type in our discount code, MJ's PNPMCA, and you can get 10% off your first month. And, you know, usually you can get an appointment within 48 hours, whether it's for family counseling, for addictions, for yourself, whatever, just to talk to somebody. You don't have to wait months to see a therapist in person. You can talk to somebody within 48 hours there. So take advantage of that discount code. If you can't find it through there, you just go to our link in our bio, and you'll see. I think it's the fourth or fifth one down. It says BetterHelp, 10% off. Just click that. It'll take you directly right to where you sign up. Um, they're great. I love them. So if you need it anything please reach out to somebody whether it's them or a friend somebody you trust that you know is not going to judge you enjoy the episode welcome jackson i appreciate you. you coming on um we met you know on a what a podcast group we're looking for guests you know and mm-hmm. it works out perfect my podcast is about recovery and so what is your recovery what are you recovering from sure uh so the the best way to describe it would be uh, sexaholism. Um, okay. It, it's it's a weird term, um, and, and there are are many that are just like, oh, hey, that's not that big a deal. Um, but then when about, um, I mean, really, addiction is uh, not having control over something, uh, and it's yeah. overpowering your life, uh, yeah. and and so really, just about anything can be an addiction. Uh, if it does that yeah if you're if your life is revolving around something whether it's going to the gym or you're a shopaholic or you're a sexaholic or i'm a pill addict or i'm an alcoholic you know there's so many different holics out there right. some some can be positive and you know some seem like not a big deal like what do you mean you have sex too much you bragging and it's like <laughs> you know it's like do you understand what your life is when you're unmanageable with something and you're powerless to it? It's like it's what's on your mind driving you 24 right. seven. And Absolutely. only somebody who is like actually put a mirror on themselves and been like self-aware enough to be like, oh, wait, that's kind of too much. And mm-hmm. I shouldn't be doing it like that. So anyway, because um, you had said you've been through CA, AA, SA. Right. And, and so some of that was was really all all geared towards towards my struggles with with porn with the unmanageability of it uh, and uh, i had um i had a friend suggest that i try to do 90 meetings in 90 days uh, and that's not that's not possible in the world of sa uh, there's just not that many meetings no, uh, uh so so that's how i initially got connected with 
AA and then a friend of mine had some some issues with pills uh, and so he was going to a CA meeting and and they met every day uh, I think they had meetings two or three times a day every day uh, and so I, I got connected with that group uh, and and it was just it was super powerful uh, to see some of how how we struggle and uh, I mean, the fact that, that my my issues are different, uh, but the their intersections that look very similar, the, there are parts of the story that are, are very similar. I love that you were relating because like people always say like when you're in AA, because I was in AA for a while, I went through all the steps. I had sponsees and everything. Right now, I don't go because I have my own meeting center that's separate from AA where I hold four to five meetings a day that are around mental health and addictions. Um, sure. I want to be more inclusive because AA unfortunately doesn't accept me anymore because I use cannabis in my recovery. And so mm -hmm. they didn't, they don't like me talking about it in a positive way, which I understand that's not for everybody. So, right. you know, so instead I just made my own thing where I could talk about it with people. Cause I know I'm not the only one that uses cannabis in their recovery. So mm -hmm. like right now I'm helping somebody with meth and getting off meth. I have people with mental health and they're just like learning how to live every day. And it's not all about cannabis. We only have one meeting a week that has to do with cannabis, actually. But we yeah. have 25 meetings a week total, you know, <laughs> so, or maybe actually, no, seven. No, we have 35, 33 meetings a week. And only oh, wow. one has to do with cannabis. That's crazy. So and, you know, some of them I don't go to. My wife runs for me because I don't you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit there and speak to trauma or speak to women's empowerment, <laughs> for example. Mm -hmm. right. So th those are like hers, but I do attend the rest and, you know, participate or sometimes run. A lot of them are mental health check-ins and meditations and stuff, but, you know, they're a lot of fun. My wife runs all the meditations because I just need to sit quietly for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah, it was an AA and CA, for anybody who doesn't know, CA is Cocaine Anonymous and AA is alcoholics, but they're extremely similar. I mean, CA uses yeah. the big book. I mean, you even right. say, don't you, don't they even say in step one, they even use the word alcohol, I think, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah I, I used yeah, to go to a CA meeting every Saturday. It's like alcohol and, uh, and all other mind-altering substances. That's what it is. Yeah, I, they added yeah. that little, little, yeah, yeah. little bit. Um, but CA is a great, and plus, if, when you're in meetings, you can get a lot from it if you're trying to relate. You know, sure. when you're listening to someone talk, it's easy to be like, that's not me. No, that's not my story. I don't need to be here. That's not my right. story. But if you go there with an open mind, as long as you find one thing to relate to, whether it's where they grew up, that's even a simple thing to relate to and just listen to their story. Because you're like, oh, I can relate to where they grew up because I feel that. And I feel those struggles. I mean, any addiction is something in our mind that we need to work on to take away. So you yeah. can... I've helped people in AA as sponsees get over girlfriends, just replacing, you know, the name alcohol with their name. Right. That's the beautiful thing about the steps is if you want to do it willingly, it's going to work. Um, well, and my. Uh, Ten years ago, and at the time uh, I, I went into this meeting and I, I listened to some of them share and I was just like, I'm not as messed up as these people. I don't need this. Uh, and and then I, I uh, my my life was was already fairly unmanageable by that point. But I wasn't uh, ready, uh, accepting of that. Uh, and, and it wasn't until uh, 
2019, I think. Yeah, that I, I went back into meetings and then was like, holy cow, I need this. My life is a mess and uh, these people can help me. So let's start from the beginning, Jackson. Like where, what, what was the first thing you were addicted to maybe? Was it, like sometimes it's like sure. sugar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I... My my story is is definitely interconnected with trauma, um, and, and I think that's that's true of a lot of uh, people that deal with with addiction. Um, but I don't I don't remember much of my childhood. Uh, I know from an early age uh, I was lying, uh, and it was just about stupid stuff that uh, you know get up in the middle of the night and uh, eat leftover hot dogs and. I don't know where it went. Uh, when one one of the the stories I, I remember from when I was younger was uh, I was uh, just r- practicing writing words on the wall in my room in permanent marker, uh, and I shared a room with my brother. He, uh, so so when my mom uh, was like, "Hey, how did this happen?" I was like, "Oh." I saw him do it and uh, about it. And, and even after my mom had us do like a, a test where we each had to write out the words and she was like, that looks more like your handwriting. Like, no, no, that's not, I, I was, I don't know what this is. Uh, How old were you when your mom gave you a handwriting analysis test? <laughs> seven. <laughs> uh, to to try to to prove that that was that was me that was doing there and, and I mean it was me but I, even even after like I was caught I just was like no uh, and and that in itself is it's stupid it's silly but even moving forward into adulthood that was still true that even uh, when caught in a lie I would just be like nope and I'd come up with some other way to um, try to to sell the lie uh, yeah. But uh, my my first uh, experience uh, with with uh, with porn uh, was when I was twelve, um, and it was it was something of my dad's, um, and uh, and it was that initial experience for me was very um, very upsetting. Um, How old are you now? By the way, asking. Uh, 35. 30, okay, so you're my age. I'll be 35 in a couple months. So 12 okay. years old was 98. So we were, what, taking VHSs at that point? It was your dad's uh, VHS tape? <laughs> so so actually it was, uh, my my dad was a pastor, and um, he, I, I, I wanted to be like him. And mm-hmm. so I was on the... Uh, I was on the computer looking uh, for for his sermons so that I could uh, preach them. Um, and in one of the sermon folders, uh, I found a video. Um, and, and so it was very much like, you know, there's this like wholesome thing that I'm looking for. Um, and I find this instead. Uh, and, and it was uh, shocking, um, freaked me out. I uh, I deleted it um, and then uh, just kind of like tried to pretend like nothing had happened. But for for my dad, it was like, oh, hey, it was there and now it's gone. Now your dad's mm-hmm. like, OK, that's deleted. Did he say something about like his the computer having uh, a sermon? Yes. 
So he, well, he, he talked because I, he knew that I was, was interested. I was likely to be the only person actually in his sermons folder. Uh, I, I had a couple other brothers, but they weren't as interested. Uh, and uh, so he, he came to me and I was like, Hey, sorry, you weren't supposed to see that. And that was, that was it. That was the end of the conversation. It wasn't any like, let's talk about this. Yeah, it was like slept and, under the rug. Um, and, and then um, it was probably, uh, and, and you know, right around that time, I was I was definitely um, starting to, to find an interest in in girls and yeah. uh, and and in um, the you know the uh, was J C Penney's like the the <laughs> bras and things like that that it's just like now it's like what in the world that was ridiculous yeah um, yeah you get the christmas but, catalog but, but you go right to the browse section i get it man right. i've been there <laughs> we were the same but, you know, 90s were well, rough 13 year old mind it was like <laughs> we didn't have internet yeah. like these kids do <laughs> we had right. to go to the jc benny catalog <laughs> right uh, and and yeah so so it at first, it really was, I think, just kind of a, um, you know, boys growing into their body and and um, starting to have some understanding of it. Uh, but the um, kind of going going through um, into middle school, high school. Uh, I I found um, I found more stuff from my dad um, of of all sorts of, of variety uh, and and some of it I, I did find interesting um, and uh, but but then I always felt guilty um, and and I was I definitely grew up in a uh, in a very religious setting. Uh, and and I had this expectation of of being of being a pastor uh, that I my my dad was my grandpa was my great grandpa was like it's just it's in our blood yeah uh, and and I even went to college for that even though that's not what I'm doing now uh, but you're still preaching and, just you know in a different way yes I, yes I think and to me a better way a cooler way you're still talking about stuff that happened in the past just right more, yes <laughs> more recent <laughs> yes uh and 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 even on that score like there um i i feel like in a lot of ways i have experienced god um better in um uh, in a 12-step room than i have a lot, a lot of times in church couldn't agree uh, more. and 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 that was for for some of my my Christian friends, as I really started connecting with some of the the twelve step stuff, there was um there were like alarm bells going off because you know the, it talks about the God of your own understanding, yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, you mean Jesus, right? And I was like, well, God of my own understanding, just chill. Like, <laughs> yeah, mine's Bill Murray. That's why I have the. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious <laughs> by having Bill Murray as Jesus, but Bill Murray is my higher power. So mm-hmm. I had somebody, an artist friend of mine, do a commission of Bill Murray as Jesus, like with his hands out, and have right. it painted for me because, like, that he's who I looked up to. That was who I was emulating. That's who I 
kind of like free spirit of life that I wanted to have. And sure. so like I wasn't people were like, oh, you're just being sacrilegious. Like, no, I'm not like, yeah, I like kind of turn my back on Catholicism, but I'm not like being sacrilegious. I just didn't want to pray to a God like G.O.D. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to have something else. I'm OK with prayer. I just don't do the sign of the cross anymore. I pray like out sure. loud. I Talking out loud by myself is prayer for me when I'm manifesting and then I shut up and listen and that's meditation for me, mm, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll, and I'll do that a lot when I'm driving, I'll put the windows down. I'll keep the radio off, hit the highway when I'm going on a long drive. And that's when I do a lot of prayer and meditation. I shut up and listen to my subconscious and give me the answers after I speak them out loud. And to okay. me, that's prayer and meditation. Yeah, just, it's different for everybody, yeah. you know, and that's the whole point of the 12 steps is that you do find different ways and you tailor it to you. So I think that's awesome, you know, and they're not going to understand unless they've been through it, unless they, you know, most people don't understand what we do in the rooms right? You know, or and how we live with it and take it with us. So, mm. you know, and that's not for them to understand at the end of the day. You know what I mean? That's the way yeah. I look at it. It's not for you to understand. It's for me to understand and for me to be happy. Um, so anyway, you're in college and, and now the Internet sure. in college is like blowing up because I remember, you know, we right. were the same 2005, 2006. And, mm. you know, Internet now is like, oh, now there's like good, type in anything you want. Yeah. Is that kind of like. So, uh, yes. Uh, and, and there was definitely uh, more. I mean, going from uh, going from high school and then then off to college, away from family, uh, away from some of the uh, rather strict uh, systems that were in place. Um, I, I kind of did whatever. Uh, so I, I still went to a Christian college, so there, there had to be like that doing this in secret sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, my wife and I have talked about this, how it seems like I've seen so many movies, uh, and a lot of them trash because when I, when I went to college, uh, I was like, Hey, I can watch whatever I want. I can actually watch R rated movies. And uh, so, so I got a blockbuster blockbuster card, and uh, I watched like seven movies a week. Uh, I, I definitely got my money's worth on that blockbuster pass. Yep. Uh, and uh, I also, I didn't have a computer of my own initially. Uh, you discover their back but, room. Uh, I, <laughs> well, really, I, uh, I was using computers. And like uh, friends that I would just be like, hey, I need to go work on some homework. Can I use your computer? Uh, and then I would just do my own thing with it um, and and try to cover it up. And uh, I was pretty new at that. So there were um, quite a few times that some friends caught me uh, and uh, were, were really uh, freaked out by it, uh, upset by it. And uh, and that kind of definitely added to that sense of shame. Shame, that, I was gonna um, say, yeah. That, right. That this is this is evil. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, and it's like my parents; they didn't really show a whole lot of affection towards each other uh, growing up. So I, I, I didn't have a, a good I didn't have a good understanding of healthy sexuality. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, my senior year of college, I uh, got married, uh, and in my mind, I was like, hey, this will fix things. Um, 
I won't I won't need porn I'm married um yeah. it, it but I needed more uh and and part of it was the statement of getting away with something um of of having having a secret uh, I don't know that in itself was just very powerful for me it's a rush uh, yes yes uh and um having yeah ha- having having the secret from my wife the person that hey um uh, we should trust each other completely um and and I was doing this and she she didn't know about it at first um but I'd say it was less than a year into our marriage before um she discovered some stuff on the computer uh and was like okay well hopefully this is a a one-time thing a phase uh right yeah and that was that was in 2008 um and uh it it became uh i don't know it, it became this thing that i just i needed and uh we only had one computer at the time and uh eventually uh, my a password on the computer so that I could only use it when uh, she was at home. So uh, at the time, I was uh, managing a restaurant, uh, and I decided that if I couldn't get uh, free stuff, then uh, I would. There, there were a couple stores in town um, that I could go to, uh, but I also needed to make sure that um, the that there was no like tracing it back to my bank account or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started uh, stealing from my work, uh, and I eventually um, it took a couple years before I got caught. But uh, I did end up getting fired uh, from my job for that. Uh, so you had to steal. You you were stealing. Was, you were stealing money in order to in order to, to buy porn so yes. that your wife wouldn't see credit card statements. And that's like the insanity of it. You know, you you had the money, but you couldn't use the money because then the wife would question. So then it's like, all right, well, then I guess I'll just steal the money because I need this. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I th- at that time, um, so that was in 2011, then I lost my job. Uh, and at that point, that's when I was like, okay, well, there's definitely something wrong. Um, and so I started, uh, so I, I went to, started going to therapy, um, went to a essay meeting, uh, and, and that was when I like initially interacted with them and was like, Oh, these guys are a bunch of perverts. Uh, I don't need this. Um, and, uh, and, and realizing now that the difference between me and them was time, uh, that they had longer time in the addiction before they did something about it. Uh, And so their choices in my mind were insane, but the fact that I lost a job um, for this thing. You were completely dismissing the job loss because, you know, we'd like to push down that, like, we have it under control and our egos telling us, like, oh, we have this, though. Like, it's yeah. not really a problem. I'll go because they wanted me to go, but I don't really need to be here. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then you hear the other yeah. stories, and you're like, that guy's out of control. That's not me. Because, yes. like we said early on, you were relating out and not relating in. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So that was your first experience with SA, and you were just like, yes. yeah, yeah, I don't need to be here. Yeah, uh, but even with that, I knew that my wife needed to see something from me. Um, so I continued to act like I was going to SA. Um, and then I would just, uh, go sit in my car in a parking lot somewhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, not, not, not dealing with the issue and continuing to lie to my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and she thought I was getting help and I wasn't, uh, and, and I was seeing a therapist at the time, but even with that, uh, a lot of the stuff I was lying, uh, to my therapist about, uh, yeah. And, and even, you know, as, as we started, like, trying to dig into, okay, some of the family history type stuff, uh, I, I I still had my, my dad on this, this pedestal of, like, being this, this great person. Um, and uh, I, I didn't fully realize both the the impact that my mom and my dad had on me yeah not realizing the the how like my my understanding of god um what was definitely flavored by choices that they made uh and, and the fact that my my dad as a pastor uh was still living secret life with porn uh, and uh and i mean he ended up losing his job over it uh, and uh but but even after that it was just like oh well you know good people sometimes they just do the wrong thing and like i I wasn't willing to really deal with um how how i learned to lie um and and kind of have this secret dark thing that i was deeply ashamed of but also uh putting on all the air uh, being involved in the church and doing all these things that look good uh, from the outside and um, and having kids along the way and, uh, and and you know trying to have that role of a of a good father and and a good church leader and all this while I was still um, secretly consumed because uh, it, it did I mean it, it occupied my thoughts um the and i would i would buy a magazine um use it for a little while and then i would get uh there would just be that shame and and i would throw it away and then go buy another magazine and um and that's why i had to keep stealing because i kept um throwing stuff away uh in in my own attempt to uh to get over it of just mm-hmm. oh, I need to toss this aside. And and like yeah. I said, I thought I thought getting married would fix that. Um but it was it was so much more than that. It it wasn't it was never it was never about the sex. It was always about me having some sort of control. Um uh, even though I didn't have any control. That's the funny thing yeah. about addiction. We think we have control until we actually get out of it and they were like, Wow, I really had no control. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so what was, what was like, what broke, like, what happened to where you're like, I got to get more into meetings. This, this needs to sure. change. Uh, 
So in 2019, um, so I, I had started, first meeting was in 2011. Um, and then the for a couple of years, my wife thought I was going to meetings and then found out, oh, no, I wasn't. And that was really upsetting for her. And she was like, hey, um, are you even trying? Uh, ended up going to another therapist because the first therapist was like, hey, you've been lying to me. You've broken trust. Go find somebody else. Uh, and so did that for a while. Um, and, and and there was definitely some some uh, some some wrestling with um, with my own actions. Uh, but I was still there was still this thing that I was, I was doing off on the side. And so there was like certain parts of my life that were improving, but I was still kind of keeping this a little secret. Um, and then in uh, fall of 2019, um, I told my wife, hey, uh, I'm tired of lying. And she was like, well, what are you talking about? And so I, I detail everything for her. Um, and that probably wasn't the healthiest way to do it. Um, I definitely just dropped a bomb um, on on my wife. There's uh, no easy way to and... tell somebody <laughs> that you have a problem, honestly. You know, I haven't found an easy yeah. way when you're lying about something for so long. Like, when I told my family I was going to rehab, they're like, for what? You know what yeah. I mean? Because, like, I was functioning addict. You know what I mean? I I was living yeah. on my own. I had my own place. I was I ran. I was working with my dad and brother, and we ran a company together. Like, you know, I was at work every day. I I worked too much. You know what I mean? I was an, I was almost yeah. like I was almost like overworking to compensate for being a piece of shit. You mm-hmm. know, like I I almost felt like I had to take on all these extra roles to help my dad and my brother because I had so much shame and guilt about everything I was actually doing. You know. So I totally get that. You have to almost feel like you need to overcompensate sometimes because of all the shame you feel. Yeah. And then definitely. so when you drop a bomb, there's like I said, there's no easy way. It's like <laughs> <laughs> there really isn't. I haven't found somebody that has like, oh, it was really easy. I knew, you know, especially you then were so exhausted, you know, mentally from lying and hiding that it's yeah. almost like a relief to be like, I've been lying and this is what it is and just like word vomit. So yeah. how did your wife? react to um so for a couple weeks i uh slept on the couch um (laughs) and then uh and then she asked me to leave uh so yeah i was uh kicked out and uh ended up uh going and uh living with uh a guy from sa um and, and actually um, living in his basement the the first the first night I spent uh, I spent at my work because I didn't want to talk to anybody I, I didn't want to uh, say hey I had to move out uh, so I actually slept on I, I, I made a bed of cardboard boxes and I, I laid on the floor uh, and uh, then yeah stayed with my pastor for a couple nights and then actually found uh, somewhere to stay uh, but I, I was definitely in a place of, so, you know, I, I had told my wife, I'm tired of lying. This is what's going on. Boom, boom, boom. And, and even knowing by saying that, that there's definitely going to be consequences of this. Uh, and, uh, and there was this sense of, I want to, 
I, I need to get healthy even if my marriage doesn't survive. Uh, and I didn't like that. Like I, I wanted it to, I wanted to have both. Uh, you, have, you have a two-year-old. Was she pregnant at the time or was she? Um... Uh, she, she had, um, had him, uh, earlier that year. Oh, okay. So, so she had just had so, your fourth kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and so, I mean, that didn't help either that, uh, it, it was, it was already a difficult pregnancy and, uh, and even as, even as I was telling her some of this stuff, she was like, I knew like in, like instinctively, she was like, I knew something was wrong and I hated it. And I felt, and for her, she was like, I felt alone. Um, and I didn't know what to do. Uh, and, and yeah, so I ended up staying with this guy and, and really, I was, I was doing some things that were good for me in, in terms of like trying to get healthy with SA and, and, and really trying to, um, be wise with how I spent my time. And like, I started going and working out in the gym and stuff like that. And like, just, just to not be alone, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I was still living in this place of shame uh, of I don't deserve anything good. And uh, even though we had an extra mattress at home, I didn't bring it with me. I slept on the floor in this cold basement. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I was I was miserable. Uh, and, Did you almost was, feel like that was like penance for you? Like, yes. you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I deserve this and like, yes, I need definitely. to do this because like I put my, I did the same thing. I, when I, um, when I got sober, I used to drive, when I was getting high on pills, I used to drive an hour and a half to get pills. Seriously, hour and a half, two hours through Philly traffic to get pills and then drive all the way back again. That was my insanity. And, um, so when I got sober, I found a really good AA meeting about an hour away. And then twice a week, I drove an hour to go to an AA meeting for an hour and then an hour back as like penance to myself. <laughs> it was like, okay, JD, if you're going to drive three hours round trip to get high, then you're going to drive two hours round trip to go get right. sober. You know, and that was like my, and it's funny that you had a way of like not punishing yourself, but like giving yourself a, something that like a penance, you know what I mean? Yeah. You guys call them penance in Christianity? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the same, yeah. So it's funny that I yeah. still use the word, even though, like, I'm so far <laughs> from the Catholicism, but yet I still use the terminology because right. that's what happens. That's really I'm not practicing AA, but I do fourth steps all day long, you know, on resentment. I think that's right. the most important step for me personally is when I catch a resentment against somebody, I find my part in it real fast. Right. This way I can accept it and move on, you know, yeah. so because resentments, you know, they kill they kill people living with resentments and holding them in. And do you guys go, we'll get, we'll get into that. Okay. So now you're living it. You're in a basement. You're on yes. like a cot, basically mattress right. and punishing yourself. And you're right. going to SA, you're going to SA meetings. Yes. Are you going, uh, are you doing the 90 and 90 now? Not yet. Uh, okay. So, so that was in, uh, September and I definitely kind of, uh, wallowed for a bit and just like, oh, I'm so terrible and all of this. Before I 
like really started being like, okay, I need to get serious about this. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, my, our wedding anniversary was the end of December. And, um, you know, we, we weren't living together at the time. We were still interacting. We still have kids. I'm, I'm, I was at the house most of the time that I, I wasn't at work. I was at the house. Uh, and uh, it was just in the evening after the kids were in bed, I would leave and go sleep somewhere else. Uh, yeah. and the kids the kids knew we had talked to them um, and I, I don't know how much they fully understood that my oldest daughter I mean she definitely felt it and yeah I mean a nine-year-old is really aware at that point like yeah. our seven-year-old would be confused too so I, I get that completely yeah um, and uh, so I yeah in December so yeah end of December was um was our anniversary and uh I still wanted to try to do something and my wife was just like no like why would we and yeah uh, so so she went and hung out with a friend and uh I I had had suicidal thoughts in the past but like that was just in that moment it was just like it my life doesn't matter anymore. Um, and, and I, uh, I think I was probably the closest I've ever been to actually acting on that. Um, and, and I, I talked with, uh, I actually called my brother and talked with him. Uh, and my, my family is not good with emotion. Uh, and, and even talking about serious things. Uh, yeah. But but I reached out to him and uh, he uh, was like, if I have to drive up there, uh, he lives about five hours away. If I have to drive up there and, and spend time with you, I will, whatever. Um, but but you're not going to die tonight. Um, and I ended up talking with him uh, and realizing that uh, re- really kind of leaning into that, you know, I, I do need to get healthy. Uh, and even if, even if I'm not married, my, my kids still would like their dad. Uh, and, uh, and, and what kind of harm am I, I doing to, to my wife and my kids? If I'm just like, no, I'm checking out, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, and uh so uh it took about another month for me to actually get serious about working the program uh but uh january 25th 2020 um i was like no i'm done this is it i can't do this anymore uh and so with like i said there's a there's a, a number of different sexaholic type groups and they, yeah. and they all have kind of their different definition of sobriety. Uh, and um, for, for myself, I mean, what I, what I decided was that uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at porn. I'm not going to act out in any way. Um, the, the only sex is going to be with my wife uh, in a consensual way. Uh, 
nothing else and i'm and i'm not going to consume anything that uh that would be harmful to that um uh, and including, including alcohol and drugs right yes yeah okay yeah so uh, you were being sober you're sober yeah. also like yes. right is that what you mean basically you don't yeah. drink anymore and right. you don't strike me as a big drinker anyway but you probably figured i might as well <laughs> cut them all out right i'm just right, done with yeah. them all yeah. Just to like make it even. Just I'm not yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah. I got you. That's cool. I uh, like that. I, I was I was in Colorado last week, and and that was a little tempting to uh, stop by a yeah. dispensary. But... I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. And 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 the and trust me, I've been to Denver, and I've smoked in Denver. Um, mm-hmm. and you it, you would have been overwhelmed because of the elevation in Colorado mm-hmm. when you when you're using marijuana for the first time in Colorado or any kind of place where the elevation is much higher. You got to yeah. take that in mind. Same with drinking. If you drink in Colorado, the elevation, so it's you actually I didn't you even feel think about it. that. <laughs> Most people don't, and then they're like, "Wow, I'm really high. This weed's really good." Uh, I'm like, "Oh, the elevation, <laughs> you know, that has something yeah. to do with." It. So uh, I just, yeah, but that's cool though that you were tempted, but you're like, "Nope, I'm not doing any of them." Yeah, I can appreciate uh, that. Someone in the program. Yeah, so, so I, um, yeah, completely cut that out and. Um, and at that time, that's when I was like, okay, the only way I can do this, um, is if I am constantly connected. Um, so that's when I started doing the 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, and so I'd, um, go to SA meeting, um, twice a week and AA meeting once. And then the other times, uh, CA, sometimes I would go to two meetings in a day. Uh, and, uh, even, even when that there was a period in there where uh, I traveled to see my brother uh, and I went and looked up some meetings down there so that I could still uh, go to those meetings. So how was, how was it for you when COVID hit then? Because if I'm not mistaken, COVID hit about 45 days into your 90, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. That that is correct. Uh, And, and so with that, um, it was, um, it was all by phone, um, uh, with, um, yeah, some of them were Zoom meetings, some of them were just phone calls. Probably call made things. it easier, uh, maybe easier to find and, meetings or get to a meeting. Yeah, like, well, and, and there was a, uh, I think it's based in New York, there's like a 24-hour thing, um, uh, awesome. that, yeah. uh, that I got, con- and that was, that was nice because, um, even if like, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I can't sleep. Um, I was like, well, I'll just log on to this thing. Um, instead and, of logging on to porn. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I would just listen to people share until I fell asleep. Uh, That's and awesome. I was, uh, listening to, I was listening to a couple podcasts at the time that were like recordings of, uh, AA speaker meetings, um, and that's when I started uh, helping uh, lead one of the SA meetings um, because the one one of the guys that had been leading it was was kind of afraid to be in charge of it when it was online. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was a little intimidated by it, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it can be, it yeah. can be intimidating looking at all the computer stuff and. 
figuring it out and how to send invites and you know all yeah. of that it, it can be really intimidating uh and and so that's when um i got involved with that and that was as far as leading it and that was really good for and still continues to be good for me because there are plenty of times where i just don't want to do it uh, mm-hmm. where i i like man i just want to i don't know go do something else but uh, e- even if it's not bad, but uh, having that, like, I know, I know once a week that I'm in charge of a meeting, so I've got to be there. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's um, uh, it's what do they call that in AA? When they give that that uh, what do they call an AA? Like people had different responsibilities. Like right, some yeah. guy was a coffee guy, and it would just it really like was service like a, work. Yeah, it's like yeah. always a newcomer that you give like you know greeting or coffee to. This way, they feel like they have to come, or else no one gets coffee. You right. know, and you, you give it like, all right, every Monday night at the eight o'clock, you got to bring coffee. You got to do the coffee. Yeah. It's like that kind of like responsibility to like be yeah. there and the new in sobriety, you feel that responsibility even more. Mm-hmm. So, and especially leading a meeting, um, sometimes it's like. I don't want to do this, but like maybe I'll just get it started and I'll sit back and I'll hear a message. I'll let right. everybody else talk and then I'll hear some messages because like, I don't have anything positive to say today because not yeah. every day is gonna be perfect. It's you know, true. sometimes <laughs> you just need to sit back and hear a message. So yeah. you know, it's important that at least you just show up because that's all that really matters at the end of the day. You show up for the kids, show up for the wife, show up for yourself, show up for others. You know. Right. So you've been leading meetings and how has that gone like with the well, how how fast were you back in the house, like permanently? Once, sure. like how long did um, that take? So, COVID was going on, scary times. Right. No one knows, you know. It, and and that definitely, um, I think in some ways that lent itself to me coming home earlier, That's uh, because because yeah. um, that that my my being home did provide some sense of stability. Um, and, and I was, I was living at my friend's house for eight months. Uh, and, uh, as, as my wife and I were talking through it, like there were certain things that she was looking for, um, that at the time I, I kind of met the bare minimum, um, uh, just because of, because of the amount of time, like, in in her mind when like oh you've been sober for six months good for you like how long have we been married uh and and so even like the the celebration of anniversaries like the the monthly coins and things like that she she was like that's that's good for you but i don't want to be a part of that because in her mind and it makes sense that how many years had i been unfaithful to her and now i'm throwing a little party for myself every month that I do what my vows were for. Yeah, uh, it's like, all right, stop yeah. talking about it and just keep showing me. Right. At that yeah. point, you know, like, yeah. listen, you you told me all about it in 2011, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to see some action this time. I'm tired of hearing about it. Right. Yeah, which is good. She put her foot down and, like, set that boundary of, like, okay, yeah. good for you, but, like, it's not good for us yet, you know? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And so, I mean, it's been... Um, yeah, at this point, uh, almost 18 months, uh, and uh, I'm uh, I'm still involved with SA, uh, 
Not as much with CA. Uh, every now and then, I'll, I'll go to a meeting, um, yeah. and and some of that, some of that did come from some of the the COVID stuff. Uh, that uh, in in the minds of a coke addict, like they didn't even want to close down for COVID um, because they were like, hey, we've survived these drugs. Done like, worse. This thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And. <laughs> So, so there was some of that, like, ah, I'll, I'll wait a minute. Like, you guys feel like maybe was, you're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not, and then I come from an addict's perspective where I spent years harming my body as an addict right. to the point where I'm paying for it in sobriety. Like, I've had my gallbladder taken out in sobriety last month. You know what I mean? Like, my pancreas is all acting up because of the damage I did to it with my drinking and abusing it with pills for 10 years. Right. Like, I drank from 11 to 31, like, heavy. And I used mm-hmm. pills heavy from 21 to 31. So, like, my liver and my pancreas are not my best friends right now in sobriety because now they're like, hey, remember how, like, you use pills to mask how bad it hurts with us? Well, now we're going to give you the pain. <laughs> so, and it is what it is. That's what happens when you get sober. You have to be more mindful of things like, covid like i never would have cared about covid and addiction or early in sobriety i wouldn't have cared because like oh this is gonna kill me you should have saw what i was doing last week but now three years in sobriety i'm like yeah i did not trust covid i was high risk i was like i'm staying home mm. like i'll talk to everybody on the phone that they want to talk about you know sobriety one of my really good friends in los angeles um i hit a meeting in, in hershey with her a few years ago she was in Hershey, PA, where I was living at the time, and she is a muralist, and she travels cross-country cross to do murals, like, for people. And, like, she's pretty well-known around the world in the art in art world. And she hit me up last September during COVID, and she was like, hey, I'm in Harrisburg. I'm looking for a meeting. Can we go? And I'm like, actually, I moved. I'm, like, two hours north in the mountains now. And um, she was like, oh, really? I wanted to go with you. She was like, well, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, it's my birthday tomorrow. She goes, oh, I'm going to turn around then. I'll come up and visit you. And they came up and gave us tattoos in our living room. You know what I mean? Like, she gave us our wedding ring tattoos. You know, we got married two months later, but we had the tattoos two months before. Total taboo Mm. of of like wearing a wedding (laughs) ring before. But we knew (laughs) it was going to last. But it's that kind of thing of, like, I was not trusting going to meetings. I didn't care about the meet because, like, I was so worried about getting sick from COVID because of how my body had been breaking down in sobriety. I'm like, my luck, COVID will kill me sober. (laughs) So I totally get, like, the perspective of somebody who's a little far away from their addiction to be like, I'm going to sit back a bit, like, just in case. So one of the things about going to specifically going to the CA meetings uh, was so like with with SA, I could definitely see the damage to to families. And um, and and there were some of the guys that uh, that I interacted with in SA. They were like, hey, um, next week I've got my um hearing for this thing because uh my granddaughter and off you go uh and and so there was some of that definite damage to the family yeah Um, between like people are either abusing people in that and that you know in SA or they are there because you know they can't stop cheating on their wife physically like you were cheating but like kind of virtually 
Right. You know yeah. what I mean? And then yeah. there's some that are like, they can't stop cheating, like Tiger right. Woods. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that kind of thing. So there's so many yeah. different very, it's it's different with, it is different, like you said. That's why, yeah. you know, because so, like yeah, there's so could, many categories of it. The, you could see the family damage, but then like going to CA, you could see the physical damage yeah. and the they had a, uh, a wall with little plaques on it that were people that had been in the meetings and died. Uh, and, and it really, like, even though I knew this wasn't going to kill me, like, there was that, it, it helped give weight to it of just, like, this is important. This is a big deal. And my life is unmanageable. And the only reason I'm not in the position they are is because my drug of choice is different, yeah. uh, and but the the behaviors are the same, uh, yeah. and and so that really it helped, uh, and and it I, I don't want to say that I like benefited off of other people's pain, but no, that's not the point. Did. It's it, that is the point. That is the yeah. point. We share so that somebody else can hear a message and say that's me too. Right. And, you know, whenever I share something dark and deep, I want somebody to be able to relate to it. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. say something really dark and deep for somebody to go, wow, what is wrong with him? I want somebody to go, oh, my God, I relate to that completely. Like, that's yeah. kind of the point is, like, yeah. you want people to hear some of the darkest things that you did. Like, I have a sponsee, and he was, like, really on the fence early on about, like, opening up about his past with meth addiction and some of the things he's done in meth addiction when he was dealing and some of the dark things he's done. So my theory was, okay, I just got to be an open book. So I just started telling him some of the worst things I did in my addiction. And within like a day, he's like, Oh, I did this. And, and then now he's opening up and he's yeah. more comfortable because he knows he's not alone in being a piece of shit. <laughs> he <Right>. knows <laughs> that he's not the only one that's made mistakes in their life yeah. and that you can, you know, work on yourself. Even that, you know, him and I both got sober at 31 and now, you know, because now he's 31, I'm 34, and then he sees that I went for 20 years, he's been going for 20 years, and yeah. well, this is possible three years later to have everything you want in life, right. if you just keep doing the right thing and putting the right for foot forward. Yeah. So that's what's really cool about any kind of, like him, I never touched meth. Like, like actually, the funny, I've done all the drugs except for meth, crack, and heroin. Mm -hmm. And so, like, him, his thing was meth, and mine was pills, but we still find ways to relate because it's the insanity of it. It's the ridiculousness of our, of our yeah. mind and where, like, what we do for what. All that's the same. You replace meth with pills, and we're the exact same person. Right. You know, he replaces it with me, and we're the same person. So, like we said earlier, it's about relating into anybody yeah. and not trying to relate out, you know. And it's about yeah. wanting to be there. When you went in 2011, you needed to be there. Right. You needed to be in a meeting to save your marriage. But when you went in 2019, you wanted to be right, there. Yes. You wanted to change. So you're wanting to do the right things and take yeah. something from it. Yeah. And it's so weird because usually needs and wants are the other way around where <laughs> I need air to breathe. I need water to, you know, I need food. Right. And these are all things that I need. And now for sobriety, it's like needs do not help you. Wants will keep yeah. you sober. <laughs> and it's well, such and, a weird. And that was, that was difficult for my for my wife because in, in her mind she like through all those years she's like i she was like i know what you need and 
and and her her desire for me to do that uh, it didn't matter like that she couldn't make me uh, get involved in programs and things like that um, yeah, it, it. it had to come down to and no matter how many times she was like hey um, I'm kind of suspicious about this it was up to me to decide whether I was going to be honest about that or not yeah. uh, even though how's she it, knew it, yeah <laughs> how's it been since like you've been back in the house since like August September I take it uh, so yeah it was july yeah july or august uh of last year um that uh and um it's definitely not been easy um i just because i have sobriety um does not mean that i'm not the perfect person i want to be uh yeah, you can and, take it away from us, uh, but, you know, we still have to work on this. Oh, yeah. And, and that was one of the things when I I, I said this in a, a meeting a while ago. is like, you know, I went to, to SA to uh, stop using porn. I didn't realize it was going to show me my anger problems and my isolation and all these other things that, uh, that I needed to work on. Uh, and... One of one of the things that still continues to be a struggle for me um, is is lying, and it's just about stupid stuff that doesn't even matter. Like, um, and, and this has been uh, a struggle with with my wife and trying to set up some some kind of uh, boundaries in terms of hey, if you lie, you need to tell me, yeah. uh, and because. Next time, there there's going to be some paper involved with you leaving the house, uh, and and I don't like that idea. But it's also like there comes a point where she has to say it's healthier for me to be away from you um, if I'm going to keep doing these things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it we we've had good moments and bad moments. Uh, and and we're we're both um, we're both seeing therapists and uh, talking through some things. I, I went to a, a a special intensive thing back in April that was a weekend long, uh, dealing with uh, trauma and how that's affected us, and that was just amazing. Um, it I it was, was trauma one of those, bonding. What's that? Was it like trauma bonding? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and it was one of those things where, like, you know, I had been to, through church stuff, I had been to some retreats uh, before, where it was like, you leave the weekend, like, all hyped up, and like, yeah! Um, yeah. But this was, like, completely different. This was, like, strip you down, and, uh, like, really like make you, you face it. yourself. <laughs> I feel like you needed to get away from the church for that kind of thing for the weekend, oh, yeah. considering where trauma came from. Right. You know what I mean? Not not to say that anything happened in a church, but you grew up in churches. Oh, yeah. So to ha- be completely open about trauma, you would yeah. need to go to like somewhere where they don't even know you whatsoever. You have no right. affiliation with anything and you're there to talk about trauma and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and get, and like, that yeah. was I I did. I mean, 
throughout all of that, I still attended church, but I definitely stepped away from it. Um, and because I needed, like, I, I think I've kind of re-engaged some of that more now, but like I needed to break away from, okay, this is, this is the God of my parents and, um, what that represented. And I needed to, to find something else. And, um, and my wife was very, very understanding of that, um, because she knows about my family, uh, Okay. and, and some of the pain there. Um, uh, and, um, it's funny the things that you wouldn't lie about and the things you don't lie about to her, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's almost funny. It's like, I'm not going to lie to you about the biggest things. Right. I'm going to lie to you about, like, me finishing the Coke in the fridge. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, like, the there was, uh, she had, like, I went to the store and she asked if I, when I was there, if I got anything for myself, too, because I got her a candy bar. And I was like, no, I didn't. And then she saw uh, the receipt later and she's like, that says there was cookie dough and i'm like oh i uh i ate that in the car and, and she's like well why didn't you tell me that and like because it was embarrassing um and we're like well yeah but you've got to be honest um yeah. because especially it's shame it's that shame that you yeah. were talking about earlier yeah it's still you feel because like you were deceitful just eating cookie dough in the car right. and then you feel the shame do you we talked cartoons earlier briefly like off camera did, did right. you see um, uh, Big Mouth on the show oh, yes. Big Mouth on Netflix? And they have like the Hormone Monster, but last season they had the Shame Monster introduced to them in eighth grade. They were like going in the middle school, and all of a sudden they all had a Shame Monster. You're right. And it's it's so accurate of when you start feeling that shame is yeah. like middle school. And if you let it take you then, it can really take you later. Yeah. 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 And, and it is like so many of my secrecy things were based out of shame uh yeah and uh and and yeah i I don't want so i i have always put on this persona of being like completely put together but like under the surface was something entirely different and that was another one of those things where being in a 12-step meeting versus being in church um was very different because in the 12-step Everyone there is raw and really there because it's their lifeline. Um, and and church. Some people it's therapy going there. Some oh, people yeah, it's yeah, therapy. For sure. You know, yeah. it's it's you know, and in church, you know, this is me talking. I would feel like there's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot there, of, there I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you all the bright and beautiful things about my life, but I'm going to shut down and not tell you the dark stuff. And right. like the dark stuff is a lot of what some of us need to hear because yeah. that helps us feel better about our shame. Yeah. You know, like it's almost, it's very cathartic to hear somebody else talk about embarrassing and shameful things because yeah. like I get shame, it doesn't go away. Yeah. You know, I'm a big guy and I have problems with eating and overeating. And it has to do with that shame of, like, I shouldn't even be doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I even eating right now a Pop-Tart at 3 o'clock in the morning? Just go back to bed. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, and I'm just, like, upset with myself. Like, I'm trying yeah. to fast 16 hours a day because my pancreas. I need to do 16 on, 8 off, like, that thing because my mm-hmm. pancreas is so mm-hmm. messed up from all the drugs and alcohol 
that, you know, it was about to explode and just like, I mean, done. So yeah. I have to fast. And then there's sometimes I'm like about to do something dumb. I'm like yelling at myself. And I can't imagine me talking to anybody the way I talk to myself, you know, and I, I, you know, I would never say the words that I say to myself to anybody else, even if I didn't like the person. So, like, it's a lot of that negative talk that you got to kind of turn down and flip those into, like, positive right. things. Because, like, when you're being negative, if you really want, you can be positive, too. It's yeah. about changing the scope. Like, and I learned that early on in sobriety. I was in rehab. A few days in, I was just so bummed out and so upset with myself that I even ended up there, you know? And I'm coming down from pills and Xanax and alcohol at the same time. And I said to my buddy, you know, we're good friends now. And I said, it's like his fifth rehab. He was 25. And he was like, I was like, I'm just unhappy, man. I just feel so unhappy. He's like, well, happiness isn't a feeling. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, it's a choice. And I'm like, what do you, like, everyone says I feel happy. What do you mean? He was like, dude, you wake up in the morning, you see it's raining. You have the choice to say, oh, it's raining. Oh, good. Now the flowers are going to get watered. Now that it's going to cool down outside a little bit. I can get some, you know, it's, it's been so hot. You can find all the positives. Right. Or you can look outside and be like, oh, it's raining. I got to drive. It's going to be horrible. And then you get out of bed with that mindset for the day. Right. Like, but if you look at things and try to find the positive, you're going to be happy. So happiness is a choice and not a feeling. I was like, son yeah. of a bitch, you just blew my mind, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and it really stuck with me. You know what I mean? Like, it really, it stuck with me that happiness is a choice. And I've always tried to tell as many people as possible that whenever they say, oh, I feel unhappy. And it's like, well, I got some, I got some news for you about that. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it blew my mind at 31. I was like, you really do learn something new every day. Maybe there is something to this recovery thing. So they tricked us in rehab. I got into meetings because we were in a house all day long. And the only time we left the house was to go to a meeting outside the house. Uh, so then yeah. I forward every day to go into meetings because it got me out of the house. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it was like two or three weeks in. Um, and this guy is going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks after yours airs. Um, and he was speaking at a meeting in L.A. And I sat there just like like a puppy dog, like looking up, like, oh my God, he's telling my story. And it was the first time that I like, well, I was like, wow, I should be here. And it was like two weeks in and I went up to the guy afterwards. I was like, I need to like, we need to talk more. Like we had the same story and I I just need to know how you got four years sober, three years sober at the time. And now, you know, I still talk to him and he's going to do the podcast soon. He's pretty busy out there, but he's going to do the podcast soon. And I can't wait to, you know, have him tell his story again. Have me as a refresher and for everybody else to hear. Um, but it's one of those things where it just, like, changed me. I was, like, I looked forward to going to meetings because it got me out of the house. There's cute girls yeah. there, let's be honest. And, um, you know, I'm new in sobriety, and I had that swagger about it. And then all of a sudden, like, I fell in love with the program after that meeting. Like, I was just, like, full board, like, all right, let's do it. What do we got to do to get sober? Right. Yeah. Stay sober. And then, like, I got into counting my days, like you'd said, like, oh, look, I got a two-month chip. And it's like, right. cool, man. Yeah. And, and I still have all my chips. They're in, like, a little bucket I have in my office. And mm. I actually gave one. I gave. I like to give hope chips out now, where, like, I gave my sponsee a 90-day chip yesterday. When he hits 90 days, then he, I'll give him a new one. But that's okay. something for him to hold on to as, like, an attainable thing. Sure. So when he hits 90, I'll give him a year chip to hold on to. Yeah. And, you know, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of how I do chips out of my place is that I give away old recycled ones as like hope chips to mm-hmm. give them something to look forward to as opposed to 
something that you're getting as a present, you know, right. and I feel like it's just as impactful. I got a couple of hope chips and I care more about them than the rest. Mm. So I like them doing them a lot too. So if you ever give out chips cool. in a meeting, think about doing hope chips. I, I, people really, I like them a lot. Nobody yeah. really knows about them unless you ever got one, but they really mean a lot to whoever gets what I'm telling you. It hmm. really like gave me a lot of hope. And that's what this kid said yesterday. He goes, man, I feel really good about this. He was excited to show his girlfriend about <laughs> it. He was like, look, I got a 90-day hope chip. And he was excited about it. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can do programs. But the right. most important thing, as long as we're being honest with ourselves and our loved ones, that's mm-hmm. what it really comes down to, you know. And how's it been the last few months? Like, because now you're getting closer to 18. and Sure. Um, so kind of some some positive like it made me realize that you know there there really was some some growth and connection happening with my wife um we uh at one point we had talked about selling our house um so really so that we could um downsize so that Ooh. i would be off by my own somewhere and she would be crowded in with the kids somewhere else um and um we are now in the process of selling our house so we can get something bigger for ourselves um so so like the and and we we just went on a a big family vacation uh and and so like those COVID lasted a while those vacations are good uh, after COVID. (laughs) yeah um, those things would not have happened um, if if I hadn't decided this needs to stop. Um, now, uh, like I said, I mean, there's there's still there's still work to be done, and there's still a lot of um, like both for myself and and for my wife because there are um, actions that I take that will be triggering to her of oh whoa what's going on. Um, and um and and some of that sometimes is just memory recall for her of the pain um and uh so i've i'm i'm really it's been hard but i'm trying to be honest with her um even in the smallest things uh and um and and to continue to work the program um and, and I was realizing that, you know, especially with, with some of the, the stuff with COVID and this whole last year and the chaos of all of that, that um, pre, pre-sobriety, um, I, I know that all those things would have, would have driven me to, to porn. Um, I, I struggle with uh, depression and anxiety and, um that was one of my ways of medicating it was because i mean it just helps me forget for a little bit uh yeah and and so like actually choosing to to do something about that um and and even like i was saying was taking that um that weekend back in april to to go to an intensive thing like i would not have been willing to do that before because i didn't want to look at myself um i didn't want to take that deep dive Holding up uh, that mirror is not a fun thing sometimes. No, no. <laughs> um, and yeah, so uh, the, there is there is growth there for sure. Uh, and 
I I love my kids, um, and and I love being able to be a part of their life, um, and um, I I want to continue to be a part of that, uh, and 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 I know that um, the my sobriety it's yes it's it's for me and for getting healthy, um, but that that impacts my wife my kids um my well, my family and that's members okay. and, and that's okay because that's like almost saying that you being you know not active in recovery and you you know relapsing mm-hmm. that you know, that's like saying oh that won't affect them but obviously it does so that's right. why your sobriety <laughs> is going to affect them too the yeah. same way your addiction would so, you know, right. I know that you're not doing it for them, but it's affecting them in a positive way right. yes. instead of affecting them in a negative way like you were before. Right. Well, and, and even things like uh, I I was never good at other than when I was um, looking for porn. I, wa- I, I wasn't good at taking time for myself um, and, and <laughs> allowing myself, allowing myself to feel... Uh, doing good things for myself like I just didn't do that Uh, like it was all about my my life was porn and providing for my family that was it Uh, and uh, you know you said at the beginning part of the way we connected was was through the podcast thing and that my my podcast doesn't have anything to do with my addiction uh, but I'm doing it for myself, like yeah. it's, it's as a as a hobby, um, yeah. and and that's and what's not your podcast called done. again for everybody to know. Uh, oh yeah, it's uh, it's called Bite Size History, um, okay. and yeah, it's just a, a short episodes about some event or person from history. Uh, I, would, I would love to discuss bank rob in 1930 and 1933 with you anytime you want. Okay. That's like my favorite, like. <laughs> I love that era, like, and I just think it's so interesting that, like, everybody was, like, back in the criminals while they were robbing all these banks, and, like, everyone's, like, cheering them on, they're heroes, so if everyone discussed that era, you message me, and we can talk about that stuff, I would love to talk to you about that (laughs) stuff, (laughs) and pick your brain about, you know, the different things, Yeah, but that's cool, where's that found, on Spotify, or? Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's through Anchor, so, like, Spotify, um... I think it's on Apple Podcasts. I'm not. So that one's weird. They're so picky. They're so picky. I, they're, yeah. They won't even put mine on there yet. I'm on Spotify yeah. and Google and all the random ones to right. anchor. Yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah, they're so picky. And it doesn't matter to me that much because I like putting music in the beginning, like a theme song in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they would never play that on Apple anyway. But right. Spotify, yeah. you know, allows you to use the music. Spotify lets so, you do pretty much whatever. Yeah, which is really yeah. cool because they're connected to anchors. So, like, yeah. you know. My episodes start with, like, the song Sober Up. You know, mm-hmm. I just did it for the first time today, actually, the episode that aired. It starts with a theme song and it ends with a different song. And okay. the, <laughs> the last song is um, Today's a New Day. It's by this reggae group um, called Common Kings. Hmm. And it's such a powerful, uplifting song. It's like, no matter what, today's a new day. Yeah. You know, no matter what happened yesterday, today's a new day. And that's kind of like the message that it carries. So I was like, I'm going to have that as like the end of all my episodes. Is that snippet, yeah. you know? So, you know, kind of yeah. like uplift at the end. 
so so yeah like doing doing something for myself and um even if because as, as i was talking through my therapist about it like even if no one ever listens to the episode like it's something for myself and like going and working out at the y it's something for myself and i never took time for that uh and uh so so those sorts of things are are a result of of me getting sober uh yeah. and, and trying to find a healthy balance in my life um because the recovery from addiction sobriety it's not just about stopping the thing like yeah that's definitely what drives you there but there every addiction there's a reason behind it um uh, and we're all broken in some way and yep. so so part of working through that addiction is finding a way to be healthy um whether that's physically healthy mentally healthy whatever like yeah. Um, I always said that those were our solutions and what we thought were solutions right. to our problems, yes. you know, yep. and like for me, like, and mine was a learned behavior because I, I drank, you know, for fun at 11 with my buddy. We were watching like The Outsiders and we wanted to like be cool like the greasers. Mm-hmm. So we stole Captain Morgan and made Captain and Coke <laughs> and we got drunk and we didn't feel anything. Yeah. And then a year later, a friend of ours got hit by a car and he died. And so, you know, we thought the solution to our pain, it was the first person we knew that died. Right. So we thought the solution was to drink about it. Mm. So I then went through my teenage years solving all my problems with alcohol. And right. then when pills were introduced, and I, I didn't care about alcohol when pills took over, and because pills were so much better, mm. and that was always my solution. And it was like, oh, the Phillies won. I'm going to celebrate and get high. Oh, the Phillies lost. I'm upset. I'm going to get high about it. And I would always, like, find an excuse for my solution. But really, they weren't solution-based things at all. And I learned that in sobriety. Like, oh, that's what I thought my answer was to everything. So now i got to learn the real answers. You take the drugs away, yeah. But now I need to learn how to live as an adult with real answers to things that aren't just going to numb and take it away. Right, yeah. 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 So I get what you're saying. It's more about, like, you can take the drug away from the alcoholic or the addict, but that person still has something inside that they need to work on so they know yes. how to live a happy life and a proper life. Yeah. So absolutely. I'm glad that you obviously are learning that and you're living it too, because if you weren't living it, you wouldn't be willing to talk about it with me. Yeah. You would be, you'd be in shame about it. You'd be embarrassed about it, but I'm definitely here to tell you, you shouldn't be ashamed about it. You shouldn't be embarrassed. I would be proud as hell to get 18 months, man. That's awesome. Like, and to do it, going through AA too, on top of that, like, that's amazing. Like to be sober while also staying away from your vice. It's like you're taking away any kind of possible vice. So you really do have to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so from someone who's got a little more time, not much more, but a little more, like I can really appreciate how hard that is and how much you have to work to get that. Like that's fucking awesome, dude. Um, but I'll let you go. We've been talking for a while off and on between the calls and right. <laughs> my background change. And that's why we call it progress, not perfection. Right. Because, yeah. you know, things happen. Life happens. Yes. But we figured it out, and we got it done. And um, I appreciate you coming on. Anytime you want to talk more, let me know. If you want to have me on yours, just inbox me, and I'm always down to hop on with you, man. All right. Well, thank All right, you. Well, have a good